everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast. And today we're talking about hepatitis. Yes, we are. Cole, what's up, man? I am kind of tired, honestly. Yeah? It's been a long Short day. Short what, 14-hour day? Yeah-ish. That's why you're in dress clothes and I'm in shorts. Yep. That's pretty normal, right? That's true. I've, I've tried to be I a little... I wear this to work, actually. I've tried to be a little more casual with the podcast. Yeah, Some it's T-shirts good. and shorts and things. Been really changing it up. It's got to be like Mike. <laughs> well... You ever seen that movie? Uh, a long time ago. Yeah. It's not one of my... It's not one of my uh, go-tos necessarily, but I'm sure if it was on Netflix, I'd check it out. It's a throwback. I watched Space Jam the other day. Uh, you know what? My Whenever this happened just like a couple weeks ago at a meeting, whenever somebody asks, you know, tell us something, here's your name, you know, where do you work or whatever, tell us something interesting about yourself, mine's always that I have not seen Space Jam. Really? That's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. I would have yeah. been like, oh, well, guess who's not getting a job? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. My wife made fun of me for watching it, though. I was like, what do you mean? She's you like, mean why like, you're a grown man watching this by yourself. Like two days ago? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. I have like, I mean, I, I have an idea of the plot, but never seen it. Yeah, it's, it's not great, but it's something to do. I mean, I don't know. Everybody makes it sound so great. It's not like listening to a podcast on hepatitis. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Hepatitis. Uh, we're doing, this is the double hepatitis day, actually. Yeah. We're going to do A and B. Yes. Because it turns we out. We did C. Turns out A is not that interesting. A is not that interesting. Except for the, if you're living in South Carolina right now, there's yes. like an official hepatitis A outbreak that originated in my home county. So that's great. Nice. Nice job, guys. Yeah. And was that Aiken? Aiken, yeah. See? I just knew where you came from. Uh, did you know where I came from or did you just know about the outbreak? No, I knew where you came from. No way. Yeah, man. I don't know what county or you grew buds. up in. I grew up here. That's Tra- why you know. Well, there's Charleston. Ber- you were in Charleston County? Yeah. Uh, Somerville and Charleston. My parents moved. They okay. were like vagabonds. They went back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aiken County. That's me. That's cool. Um, Why'd you guys get hepatitis? Uh, I have no idea. It, it, I, from what I read, there wasn't a great um, like patient zero or anything, mm. but um, some general stats that i kind of remember is like to this point in the year there's usually like 14 ish cases or something and mm-hmm. there's like 80 something like that Jeez. so we got a we got a, a notification from dhec like last week that was like you know outbreak of pepe so good to know yeah we'll talk about it stay away from making yeah and it you know i mean it's well we'll talk about it never mind <laughs> sorry if you live we'll in get Aiken. there i'm getting getting ahead of myself all right, so uh, where do you want to start with this, though? I guess we'll start with Hepe, since yeah, it's a little, to talk about. a little shorter. At least in our small frame of reference. Not as much treatment, but um, yeah, so Hepe, uh, it's one of the more common causes of acute hepatitis. Uh, it was first isolated by Purcell, whatever Purcell is. I suppose that's some... Um, I don't even know. Uh, if only we had looked at the background I, information. I know. I, th- I think it's, you know, some lab or something. Mm. In 1973, so relatively recently, um, and we humans, homo sapiens, appear to be the only reservoir for the virus. Yes. So yeah. otherwise, it's just hanging out out there. It's just hanging out of there. And it turns out it can hang out for a while. Which means, you anti-vaxxers, if you guys would quit yelling at us, we could actually eradicate this thing. Mike, we're supposed to be nice to people. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great. Well, it turns out that it was more or less not eradicated, but I'm really mostly eradicated in the U.S. for a long time. Um, and it still is considered, like, essentially eradicated in the U.S. Uh, much more common in um, up-and-coming countries, I suppose. It is transmitted through contaminated food and water. Um, I think it can live outside the body for like almost 48 hours, but usually only does for like 16 hours, something like that. Um, But since the application of serologic testing in the 80s, um, we know a lot more about hepe, epidemiology, clinical manifestations, 
how the virus starts and ends. So um, we've pretty much got this one whipped if we could, um, you know, get vac- everybody vaccinated vaccinate and get, get, get the vaccines where they need to be. So one of the things we're working on with my clinic is uh, th- we have, you know, a pretty prevalent um, homeless patient population yeah. in Charleston. Yeah. Um, and so there's a couple of the clinics downtown mm-hmm. um, that are, uh, they act as shelters and provide one of our uh, nurse practitioners actually goes out there a couple of times a week and uh, treats patients. Oh, cool. And uh, so her and I were actually talking about today about maybe finding some ways to get some hep A vaccines going out there. Um, I know, uh, I know Dr. Wirt has uh, been out there mm-hmm. vaccinating people for hep A. He's a man. So he, uh, it's something that definitely needs to, needs to happen. And that's a, a big population for people who live in big cities. And I think that was actually an updated, like, ACIP guideline mm-hmm. in 2017 where they said, yeah, recommending if you're homeless or could be considered homeless, whatever that definition is, recommended to go ahead and get it, yep. which is which is good. You've probably, if you've traveled uh, it's and you've seen a travel doctor or seen a doctor for a travel visit, you've probably seen this come up and they had to determine whether or not you should go ahead and get it as an adult. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about scheduling. A lot of this will be about the vaccine, but a little bit on the, the course of the virus and... Um, supportive care, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's the big thing is with hep A, unlike the other hepatitis is, um, we actually don't, it, it clears itself on a lot of cases. And uh, so we don't have like a actual treatment per se um, for hep A. We, we can use like immune globulin um, and, and things like that as far as prevention and vaccination for prevention. But patients who actually get diagnosed with, with hep A, um, it, it's within three months, um, 85% of patients will have like a full clinical and biochemical recovery. Um, and the statistically speaking, um, by six months, almost all patients will have a full recovery. Um, that being said, there are patients that can have hepatic failure, um, which would require aggressive supportive therapy. And it's actually recommended that they gets transferred to a center that is capable of doing liver transplants because that could be the ultimate outcome in those patients. Yes, it could be. Uh, the virus itself is an RNA enterovirus. Uh, viral replication depends on hepatocyte uptake and synthesis and assembly occurs exclusively in the liver cells, which is why it is um, causes hepatitis. Yeah. And it's almost exclusively acquired from ingestion. I mentioned... Um, contaminated food and drink, but also uh, fecal oral transmission. All right. So we want to go first with this. Just jump into the vaccine. Let's jump into the vaccine. Yeah, let's okay. do that. Um, so <laughs> hep A vaccine. That's what it is. <laughs> the uh, There's a couple different versions. There's the Havrix is the one that I'm personally most familiar with. Um, there is also the, um, I, I think I'm pronouncing this right. I've never actually used this one myself, but the... Yeah, is it the vac- Vacta? Vacta. Vacta. That's what I would say. Um, yeah, you have to use an accent there. Um, but there's two different dosing regimens. So patients who are 1 to 18 uh, would get the smaller doses of 720 units versus the patients 19 and older would get a, uh, 1,440 units. Um, and the schedule ideally would be 0, 6 to 12 months after that. So two-dose series. Um, and it also comes as a combination with the Hep B vaccine, um, where you can get the uh, both vaccines with one shot. And um, in that case, it's still a three dose series to account for the Hep B, and uh, you would get three doses of the Twinrix in that case. So yes. if a person does want to get them together, then they can 
do that. So if you do get the, let's say you're an adult and you're uh, going out of the country in, you know, a month and, oh, got to get these vaccines. You can go ahead and get the first dose and uh, you're considered covered Mm -hmm. for that trip. But then within, you know, the six, I think it's six to 18th month period, you want to go ahead and get the second one for long-term immunity. I think it's like 90% effective if you got the one dose, but it goes upwards of 97% if you get both and, um, you know, potentially lasts longer because that's how it was studied. So that's definitely what would be recommended long-term. Yes. Um, but no, that's a good point because that actually will come up for those of you who work in like retail pharmacies. Um, I know I had that question asked with uh, Hep A because they were leaving for some one of the countries in Africa and uh, they were going to leave in like three weeks and they were getting their hep, their first dose. And I was like, all right, well, yep, six to 12 months, you can come back. And he's like, uh, yeah. so what do I do? Um, but that's something that, uh, you know, to make sure that it kind of ease their minds that you are pretty much covered. It's to, it's to carry on that longevity of the immunity to it yep. with that second dose. Um, and the other thing would be if, if the person doesn't come back in the uh, recommended time, you don't restart the series. Correct. Yeah. So, so you just go ahead with the second you dose. just get the second dose. Kind of like Shingrix. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. When Shingrix came out and then stopped coming out for <laughs> yeah. like a year and a half. It still stopped coming out. Apparently, um, uh, is it Mark or GSK? I want to say it's... GSK is Shingrix. What you had, GSK. They, they build a, a big facility to, um, you know, continue manufacturing, but it, it didn't uh, clear, didn't pass approval. So mm. that's a big reason why it's still backordered significantly. Mm-mm-mm. Way to go, GSK. Unfortunately. Just kidding. You guys are cool. You guys got a great vaccine. They got to be making now bukus just, of cash. Now we just want to get that vaccine out to people. They got to be making bukus of cash. Can't hate on them too much. Too. They made a much better vaccine than Zostavax. They did. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. And we don't have to inject it in the back of their arms. That's yeah, great. That's dope. Um, so patients, you know, who should and should not get hep A, or at least I shouldn't, I shouldn't say should not, but patients who it's not necessarily recommended that they go out and get it. Um, so, uh, healthcare workers should go ahead and get it if they've never had the vaccine before. So those of you who are starting nursing, pharmacy, that's why I need it, whatever school. Yeah. Did you know I get it? No, I actually think I, I actually, if I didn't get it for school, cause I don't, I don't know that it was, I, I think I definitely got it one day, went to Africa, but yeah. I don't think it was mandatory for school. Um, but this, the ACIP says that uh, um, healthcare providers should routinely um, should be vaccinated. Um, and then also, like we said earlier, uh, patients who are experiencing homelessness um, and, you know, that uh, they, they even say um, that, you know, they give a definition for experiencing homelessness. So if you're homeless for a period of time, um, then you're living in a shelter, living in a mission, um, single room, you know, facility, whatever it is, abandoned building, you need to get the vaccine if possible or find someone that will donate the vaccine um, because it's very prevalent in that patient population. Um, but uh, they, they ask about, um, and, and I'm sorry, I actually misspoke. So I said, uh, should healthcare providers get vaccinated for hep A. It's actually, the ACAP says you don't have to. Um, I misspoke because the question, if you go on uh, the CDC's website, they have a section called Ask the Experts. Um, I, I misread the uh, thing on my screen that I copied. <laughs> um, it's uh, the question to them that was posed was, should healthcare, all healthcare providers get it? And they said, no, the studies don't show that the units have an increased risk for hep A. Hep B is a different story, but um, so sorry, I misspoke. So for those of you who are about to lose your mind, leave a mad c- comment. Caught it. <laughs> just fixed it. Woo. Close one. Uh, um, they also say anyone who desires immunity. Yeah. Can. Anyone can. Anyone, exactly. If, if you ask for it, you can get it. In South Carolina, you can get it without a prescription. 
other um, states. I know you can't, so it just kind of depends on where you're at. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, out you can get it in a pharmacy without a prescription. Yeah. Um, so the, one of the things, too, is patients that have chronic liver disease, um, although that statistically speaking you're not necessarily at risk for a hepatitis A infection, um, they do say that people who have chronic liver disease are going to be at an increased risk for that fulminant hepatitis um, A where you get you know severe um, hepatotoxicity with, with the virus and so that you should actually, where you could actually need a transplant. So it would be recommended in those patients to go ahead and get the vaccination if possible. I should probably mention the course of Pepe and kind of what you would see. There's three potential phases. The first phase is the prodrome, uh, which is, and this is similar to Hep B too. You will have um, mild flu-like symptoms, uh, potentially anorexia, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, kind of non-specific symptoms, myalgias, mild headache. Um, smokers apparently sometimes lose their taste for tobacco. So that's interesting. Hmm. Um, which is that also apparently also happens with appendicitis. Didn't know that. Uh, the next phase is the icteric phase, uh, which is more of the acute hepatitis phase, I suppose. Uh, you'll see uh, dark urine, bilirubinemia, uh, pale stool will uh, soon follow more than likely, but it doesn't happen in everyone. Uh, you might get jaundice in about three quarters of patients um, with an acute HIV infection, uh, but it's less likely in children and infants. Um, the older you are, the more severe it's probably going to be. Um, abdominal pain occurs in almost half of instances and itching is less common, but can be accompanied by jaundice. So that's the second phase. Third phase is more rare. It's the relapsing hepatitis. Um, I guess it's not so much a phase as just, it can relapse. Um, it's uncommon uh, of the acute infection more commonly if you're older or an elderly person, uh, it's just characterized by a protracted course and uh, disease relapse following what would seem like a resolution. Then it comes back. It's not what you want. Nope. All right. Anything else with that? Should we finish up a couple more points with the uh, vaccine? Oh, uh, yeah. What else you got? Um, just some other patient populations who it's recommended for. Um, like you said, uh, all patients who desire to be um, immunized, but also um, specifically they mention um, men who have sex with men, uh, users of illegal drugs, uh, any kind of injectables or non-injectables. Um, patients who have just been uh, previously unvaccinated but they're planning on um, leaving the country and traveling internationally should go ahead and get it. Um, and then people with uh, blood clotting disorders is the other one that I often forget about. Um, but, uh, yeah. Some employers recommend a group who might be low risk but potential sources of larger outbreaks like people who handle food in restaurants. Yes. Some require that they have a hep A vaccine. Though cost benefit, we don't really know if it's necessarily worth it. But I don't know. I kind of I'd like my chef to be Hep A vaccinated. So that's actually one of the concerns with a lot of the homeless population patients is because you know one of the most common jobs we in a big city, especially finding them work, would be in kitchens mm-hmm. um, and getting them trained and stuff. So if they have Hep A and don't realize it, it could be a way of spreading that around well, that without, w- unintentionally. That but was the, part of it. My mom mentioned in uh, Aiken, she said a restaurant that they ate at the next day, somebody with Hep A. Um, was serving food and mm. apparently it was like in the news or whatever and it happened at a couple places people were going to the doctor asking for um, 
asking for prescriptions because they went to this restaurant that somebody had Hep A in, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yikes. I, I feel like I'd want my my people handling food to be vaccinated. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the other thing, I mentioned Twinrix, which is the combination, um, but there is a, a dosing schedule that is um, a quick, uh, a, a quicker onset, I guess you, how you'd say, a um, dosing schedule of uh, days, basically, where you would do zero, seven, and then the third dose, 21 to 30 days. And then you also give a fourth dose as a booster 12 mm-hmm. months later. So if a person needs to become vaccinated very quickly, um, you can use Twinrix as a kind of expedited dosing schedule. Mm-hmm. So I should mention that. Um, and then also, since I butchered the name for the other hep A vaccine, uh, the, the AC, uh, ACIP actually says they are technically interchangeable. Oh, really? Even though they're different doses? Mm, that's what they say. I thought it had something to do with age. Um, no? says, uh, are hepatitis A brands interchangeable? It says, yes, a number of studies indicate that the two mm. brands of hepatitis Havrex and Lacta are interchangeable. Well, I heard you say the age thing, and I was like, oh, shoot, I should probably be checking ages on these things. But, okay, they're interchangeable. Yeah. We're good. So 50 <laughs> units is basically the same thing as 1440. <laughs> 50 is the other one? Place it of 700. No, 720 is the oh. uh, one to 18 year old, and oh, that's I see equivalent saying. to 25 units of the one to 18 year olds uh, for the Vacta. Vacta. I'm wondering how to really pronounce that now. That's probably just Vacta. Mm. We're in the South, so we can say whatever we want. Can't worry. Right? Ignorant. <laughs> um, all right. So, is that enough with Hepe? Yeah, just have some on. quick, quick stats. So, uh, between 1995 and 2006, the reported Hepe incidents declined by 90%. Um, to the lowest rate ever recorded, about 1.2 cases per 100,000. Um, I believe that was, yes, that was in the U.S. specifically, but obviously rates um, in other countries are still pretty high. Um, urban Africa, Asia, and South America are uh, probably the highest rates of Hep A. Um, and the, the nadir in America was at 1987. So you can think back to school for, for what that means. <laughs> Perfect. I <laughs> think it's a uh, pharmacy calculations class, probably. There you go. All right. So, HEP B? HEP B. Let's take it on. It's a little bit more involved than HEP A, right? Yes. Yeah, so, HEP B is actually a DNA virus. Mm-hmm. So, it's double-stranded, um, it's enveloped circular virus. And um, if you kind of compare it to like hep C, which is the one that most of us are going to be a lot more familiar with, um, which hep C is RNA, hep B is the DNA. So this one is going to uh, attack the liver as well, though. Um, and typically six months, the first six months is considered the acute phase. Chronic infection is after that. So similar to the hep C um, uh, they're transmission-wise pretty similar as well, so you can get it from blood, sexual contact, uh, sharing needles, um, and some of the complications that, and the reason we're worried about this is um, cirrhosis is, as well as um, herpetic uh, carcinoma. So yes. um, there is a vaccine for this one, though, whereas there's not a vaccine for hep C. Correct. So that's great. It is. Um, and then the treatment is going to be uh, NRTIs mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like the NS5A inhibitors and stuff like we see with hep C. Yep. So a little different treatment options. Um, but uh, some of the drugs for hep B you might actually be familiar with. And these Spoiler drugs have been around alert. a little. We, we've been able to treat this. Well, I guess now, never mind. You can treat hep C before. It's just we don't really have a hep B 
cure, like we do a hep C yeah. cure. We can right? suppress it, and and uh, but yeah, it could potentially flare up again. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's another worldwide health problem, uh, especially in developing areas. Uh, he mentioned what the drug is, DNA virus. If in a, in a, on a stain, it's going to have about half to three quarters of the time a ground glass appearance of the cells. So that's something you might hear or see. Uh, it also has the prodrome and icteric phases that are very similar to the uh, Hep A, but um, fulminant, um, uh, fulminant hepatitis. I think probably a little generally more common and can be more severe than Hep A. Yeah. So I guess the, the one of the complicated things with Hep B, at least for me anyway, is that looking at the lab panel. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of lot of letters there. There are a lot of lot of uppercase, a lot of lowercase. So it gets confusing. Um, so just kind of going down the chart here, looking at um, the HBS antigen, which is the surface antigen of hepatitis B. Um, if that comes back positive when you run the hepatitis panel, um, if that's positive, then you do have a live active virus, um, so you have infection. Um, then there is the HBE antigen, um, which indicates the presence of active replication of hepatitis B. Uh, it's usually seen in phase two, um, which is like the chronic hepatitis B infection. So it kind of that surface antigen uh, eventually will transition to the HBE, E is an elephant, um, will switch over the longer it's the, the person's infected. Um, they also will have uh, anti-HBC, which is the core antigen, um, and that is going to be positive if the person has active vi- um, virus present or it, it was present but cleared by the immune system, it can also be there. Um, and then if a person has uh, IgM anti HBs, that's the early antibody uh, production that we see when someone's uh, acutely infected, um, which then gets converted to the IgG antibodies, um, which is going to either uh, reflect in some kind of like an immunity against HPV. So if the person had the vaccine, um, you could also see that if the person um, cleared the infection themselves as well. And so the HGM is going to... Um, typically show a active infection acute phase that's it does that make somewhat sense it does i kind of lost track of what you're saying because um bart j miller looks like on instagram like that i mentioned my mom said uh that thing about uh hepatitis naked i think that's that's good (laughs) uh but yeah so we've we established that you can have infection without having like an acute phase infection, like Mike was saying, depending on the surface antigen. So approximately 350 to 400 million people have a lifelong chronic infection of Hep B in the world. Um, only about 0.5% spontaneously seroconvert per year to that active phase. Um, but yeah, that's like a third of people in the world are running around with Hep B. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about the, the phases as well, but um, I do like, uh, there's a chart here that I see that has some examples of if you were to get a panel back, mm-hmm. since I just ran through that and maybe didn't make a lot of sense. I'd also encourage you to kind of read through the guidelines too, so you can see it because it's still confusing, I'm sure. Um, but they give some examples. So if, if someone, let's say, um, is immune due to infection, so they, they were infected, but it cleared, um, then they may come back with a... HB surface antigen as negative, um, but their anti-HBC um, 
which is the core, and then uh, anti-HBS uh, would both be positive. Um, whereas if someone was immune due to immunization, um, anti-HB core would be negative, but the HBS would still be positive. Um, and then acute and chronic obviously would be based on whether or not you see IgM um, being positive with, as, as well as the surface antigen and all that. So um, if you're completely confused and ready to turn this off, Go ahead and check out. Uh, go ahead and check out the uh, guidelines. For I was going to say it made sense to me, but if you didn't follow, it's actually pretty important to know with Hep B. That's one. That's a pretty important little teaching slash learning point for Hep B. So important it is. Thank God I'm here. Um, <laughs> so Rich just popped on uh, on Instagram Live and said um, from RX Radio and said I'm just here <laughs> here for the guy with the voice of an angel. So uh, He's clearly talking about me. Yeah. So we got a comment on on Instagram, or not Instagram, iTunes, and it said, uh, so the, their, their reviews of pharmacotherapy are like, okay, and <laughs> like stuff, and uh, it said, but I hate their voices. <laughs> I, said, I hate their voices, oh, and said, the, especially that kid that's all monotone. <laughs> to this, we don't know which one he's talking about. I uh, I like. And I to, guess I've got to be the kid, and I'm clearly the monotone one, so. I don't know. I feel like fine. I'm pretty monotone, but that's what we're just talking about. There's nothing that's going to change it. I laughed. <laughs> so hard when I read that comment. That was the greatest comment well, of all time. This is what Mike said to me. I, I almost crashed the car. I was laughing so hard, and I was like, "Mike, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was checking, I was checking iTunes comments in the car. I was in traffic to, to be clearly honest. I said, "Crashed the car to make it funnier." It wasn't a real story, <laughs> right? Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, that was our latest comment. That was that was made my day. Actually, it's quality stuff is why most people would think you get a bad rating, you're gonna be mad. At it. That was. Hilarious. The uh, fact that they had to include, I hate their voices. <laughs> voices are the worst thing I've ever heard. It's not the first time I've heard that before. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I don't know what I can do about that. Um, Hard to say. Yeah, taking, we're both taking voice lessons now. You're not supposed to tell them about that. Oh, shoot. Sorry. It's only Thursday mornings. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Uh, yeah. So um, I thought this was interesting. Hepatitis B, it uh, can survive for a really long time depending on how cold it is. So it can survive for like 15 years at negative 20 degrees Celsius, um, two years at about 80 degrees Celsius, six months at room temperature, seven days at about 44 degrees Celsius or a little hotter. But um, the reason I mention is they found a 400-year-old mummified um, child, the remains of a child, on a mountain in Korea, and he had hepatitis B virus, and uh, it could be sequenced in the liver, and a viral genotype C was identified 400 years later. What? Yep. So it's a, it's a resilient little, little virus, which is why it's so tough to treat. Yeah, that's a, geez, a mummy. Yeah. We need to get some mummies for the podcast room. Well, who thought that? We, I mean, we got a uh, little Einstein. We could just stick a little waving mummy in there, right? I mean, you got to be able to order them somewhere. I'm sure you can. But they're cheap. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll have one next week. You guys sure. have a, if you guys have a mummy or know a guy at a museum, please please contact us. <laughs> um, so phases of chronic uh, hepatitis B? Yeah, let's do it. You want to go through these? Yeah, you haven't pulled up or you, to do it? Uh, you got it. Um, so the immune tolerant um, phase, it would be where ALT, um, liver function test, would be normal. Um, however, you would have probably um, 
over a million uh, international units per milliliter of HPV DNA. Uh, you'd also probably see positive uh, HBE antigen, um, but your degree of fibrosis and inflammation would be minimal. Um, now, when you move to immune active, that's when you get elevated ALT. Um, usually the uh, HPV DNA is greater than 20,000 IU per ml, um, also with a positive HPE antigen, and then moderate to severe uh, fibrosis inflammation. And then it kind of goes back down, uh, again, the ALT goes back down to normal when you get to the inactive phase. Um, usually the HPV DNA is going to be less than 2,000. Um, degree of fibrosis inflammation can be variable. Um, you'd probably get a negative HPE antigen. Um, and then if it reactivates, you're going to see that, that HPV DNA jump back up and the ALT jump back up and all that. Inflammation is usually present. I should have mentioned that the um, prodrome and icteric phases are more associated with the acute phase hepatitis. Yeah. But then you have chronic phase, and um, they have non-specific symptoms in some ways. And then you know they also have things like chronic as ascites and GI bleeding, and uh, mild upper quadrant pain and discomfort, depending on the degree of uh, cirrhosis or um, uh, disease progression. And of course, the the big ones: hepatic encephalopathy, hepatic decompensation with progressive liver disease long term. Uh, that's what we're trying to prevent. Yep. Should we talk about the child pew classification? Since talk about old Mister Pew. <laughs> so you get, most of you have, have seen this before, but pew. Um, I don't even know. Eh, we'll say pew. We'll say pew. Um, most of you have seen that before, where they have class A, B, and C to kind of talk about whether how, how damaged the the liver is, um, and that's based on basically your total number of points, um, looking at total bilirubin, serum albumin, um, your clotting factors like PT, INR, um, whether or not there's ascites present, um, encephalopathy, and uh, you add those points up, and if you get a really high score, you get a worse uh, a, a class C, which is uh, no good. No. Um, and then a lot of drugs will have, especially ones that are uh, metabolized by the liver, which is a lot of drugs, um, will have to have dose reductions and things like that, If depending on that, that child pew classification score or grade. All right, so if you have a patient, hep B, um, obviously we would want to assess immunization status. Um, we would want to get... Uh, a history of, you know, family history, looking at their comorbidities. Um, we would want to get baseline labs, such, you know, renal, liver, all those fun things. Um, and then we would also want to look for any kind of co-infection. So uh, hepatitis C is very common with hep B and, and HIV would also be something to watch for. I saw a mention of like a therapeutic vaccine. If they're already infected, do we, we don't immunize, right? Um, if they're already infected, I would have to double check. We're, I'm going to go with, I don't think so. Okay. Well, it wouldn't really make sense we're to do it that We're going to see if you're right. Okay. We'll find out. Um, yeah, people at higher, higher risk for one, um, I think Mike already mentioned injection drug users, um, men who have sex with men, uh, also, uh, diabetic patients who are checking, um, blood sugar or who use insulin. Uh, pretty much anyone who's going to be sticking a needle in their body is considered at higher risk for acquiring Hep B. So uh, would be people who would consider the vaccine in. Um, I guess people who are going to certain areas of the country, um, it can or certain areas of the world, so it can be spread sexually. So um, some people elect to get the hepatitis B vaccine for 
um, those sorts of re- uh, reasons if they have concerns for um, high-risk behavior. Uh, it is very common. It's blamed in the U.S. for about 5,000 deaths annually, which is not as many as I thought it would be. Um, they have a, we have an estimated 60,000 or less new cases of Hep B uh, every year. About 2 million or more have the chronic infection. Um, yeah, worldwide, um, it's more significant than in, in America. But, uh, yeah, we still, we still have it. I think I heard that um, there are high rates in, like, nursing homes mm. because um, – they kind of share needles around, or at least maybe not as not as clean. A lot needles. of needle sharing yeah. in nursing homes. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> or long-term no, care sure. facilities. Well, and, and, and that's why the whole uh, situation came out with patients that were testing their blood sugar have diabetes. Yeah, um, and whether or not they should. I guess it started there. Yeah, yeah, because obviously, if you're even just the lancing device, could be potentially yes, contaminated. It could be. Um, so you know, that's the ACIP does recommend uh, patients who. Have diabetes, um, be get the the vaccine, specifically if they are under sixty, I believe, and then mm. um, over that, it's kind of up to the healthcare professional. It's interesting. I wonder why. I don't know. I guess stats. Oh, I'm sure, but I, <laughs> I guess if you get heavy when you're sixty, it's not as big of a deal. No, I don't know. I'll. Uh, I'm trying to. Not time for your liver to decompensate. I don't know. That's yeah, weird. I'll have to look that up. The actual reason for it, but yeah. Um. Anything on whether we should vaccinate? No, I'm still looking. I don't okay. see anything physically if they're already infected. I don't. I can't imagine that that would. Doesn't seem like you would. No. If not, you want to hop into uh, treatment. Yeah, let's do that. Um, did we did we go through every? Did you go through everything uh, as far as people who should get the Hep B vaccine? Oh, I went through everything. Okay. No, I'm sure I'm sure I left some out. I only gave like three examples. Okay. So if you got anything, um, just uh, patients obviously that um are in close, you know proximity households that have patients that have uh, HB surface antigen positive um, family members, things like that that they're living with should probably consider um, getting it. Healthcare workers, um, people with end-stage renal disease, I think you did mention that one, but patients that could potentially go on hemodialysis, peritoneal dialysis, things like that. Um, People with hep C vaccine or um, infections, uh, people with HIV, you should go ahead and get them uh, vaccinated as well. And then... um, the other one, too, is – let me pull it up because I want to make sure I get this right. Um, it, I believe it's if your uh, LFTs are two times the upper limit of normal now is the newest recommendation that you mm. get the vaccine. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I think that was 2018 maybe. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I said let me pull this up to make sure I get it right and I just start talking. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic Mike. Um, yeah, persons with elevated uh, – uh, that's testing. Jeez. This is, this is what we like to do. Real-time investigation on the recording. Well, um, we did, you know, that, that's what happens when no. you work and then record. Yeah, what are you going to do? You know what would be ideal? What? Is if recording was like a part of our work. Like what if we got half a day to record Man. and then we spent like two hours looking over it and mm. then an hour recording and we got paid for that? Man, that would be cool. Is it? Like how do, how do people do that? I don't know. Joe Rogan's doing it. <laughs> Well, yeah. He's making a lot more money than me. Maybe we should just be that guy or something. Yeah, I think I'm just going to start doing that, I guess. Well, before we get into the drugs, I'll just mention the vaccines. We already talked about Twinrix, uh, but there is a Hep B uh, vaccine alone. There's a couple of brands. Ingrix B, Heplosav B. Mm-hmm. That's the new one. And uh, Recombivax HB. 
uh, Ingrix B and Recombivax, those are both uh, three-dose regimens over about six months or so. The new um, Heplosov is a two-dose regimen over one month, so expedited immunity. And, um, you know, they have the Heplosov is only for adults. They have catch-up schedules. CDC has all that good stuff whenever you're wondering if I should have this if you didn't vaccinate when you're younger. But for the most part, um, we're going to get initial vaccines when um, we're, we're newborns within 24 months of us being born. Um, if you're in the, that's if your mother is, um, is uh, surface antigen negative. If your mother is surface antigen positive, then they want you to go ahead and be vaccinated within 12 hours of being born. So there that's you go. Interesting. So it is two times greater uh, the upper limit of normal. So I was right. Nailed it. Good. Mike got it. Whew. Close one. Mike's always right. That's well, what we have to realize. Uh, 60% of the time, every time. I mean, statistically speaking, I have to be wrong at least 5% of the time. Oh, easily. You know, standard, de- or uh, whatever that's called, P-values. Yeah, P-values and such. All right. <laughs> Type 1 error. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stats. <laughs> stats. Uh, oh, I used to know stats. Um, yeah, let's jump into treatment. Okay, let's do it. Go ahead. Um, so th- there's several different options, some of which are not really... Um, all that used anymore, but um, we you still may see some interferon use, and it's usually the pegylated interferon. Um, and that the problem with that is you're going to get um, really bad side effects, um, not necessarily uh, super serious, but very disruptive to someone's quality of life. So patients will get like flu-like symptoms, fatigue, mood disturbances, um, and then they could actually develop things like autoimmune disorders and things like that, which are going to be a little bit more rare. Yeah, um, symptoms that seem to mimic the prodrome of the acute phase of Hep B, so that would be a little bit you know, not great. Not great if you're trying to determine whether somebody's about to go into acute phase. I guess you're treating acute phase, so there you go. Yeah. Um, some of the more common um, oral agents that we would use now would be uh, like the tenofovir, um, and which you're, if those of you familiar with the HIV treatments, they're, they're both versions of tenofovir by themselves are used in Hep B as well. So you have the uh, tenofovir disoprostol fumarate and the tenofovir alafinamide. Um, and then you also have the entecovir and lamuvidine as well that can, can be used. Um, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this multiple times, but the tenofovir alafinamide, the the different prodrug of tenofovir, um, there's a significantly decreased dose requirement for that one compared to the original version of tenofovir. Um, the reason for that is the tenofovir has to be a prodrug because you can't absorb the uh, active tenofovir form. And so tenofovir, the original version of the dispersal fumarate was basically absorbed and a lot of it was activated in the plasma before it actually reached the T cell or whatever was, you know, um, infected with the HIV or Hep B or whatever the cell was. And, um, so all that activated interferon or tenofovir rather would go to, uh, the kidneys, um, which caused nephrotoxicity. Um, it also interfered with, um, the bones cause it would cause, uh, demineralization and patients who are having, uh, uh, bone mineral density loss. And so they developed this new version of tenofovir, uh, which is the alafinamide, which has significantly um, less activation in the plasma. And it gets it actually gets converted into tenofovir once it's in the, the cell. So you get very little systemic absorption going to the kidneys and things like that. So um, the HIV uh, folks were really excited about that. And um, 
where you could see these the the studies for the HIV patients were um, I think they have I'm sure they have longer the last time I looked it was like 144 weeks out they were still not having any kind of really um, renal or uh, bone mineral density changes and so the the alafenamide seems to be a much better option and that's what the folks in the up-to-date um, management FEP that, that wrote that section um, they also recommend that it, they try to treat everyone with the uh, alafenamide formulation if possible um, lamivudine is also used uh, as a single agent, but um, it does have a high instance of resistance with mm-hmm. Hep B. So it's, it's super cheap. Too, it know. is. It's cheap. It's cost effective. We have a lot of um, you know outcome data like showing safety and all that for years and years and years, but a lot of resistance. Where there's been some studies that have compared um, those same. Um, resistance strains to things like uh, the tenofovir and the antikovir and didn't see the same resistance. So, yeah. And it's also may not um, be as effective as those either. Yes. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, Jared on uh, Instagram. Um, what's up, man? He's uh, all the way from Sydney, Australia. Nice. And uh, he's a real nice guy. He wrote us that and said he listens to us and uh, he's supporting the podcast. So all the way from uh, other side of the world. It's pretty awesome. We love our Australian listeners. We, we, Australia actually is like our fifth like yeah. most downloaded place. They're like the nicest people. Over they are nice. You know? They have awesome accents. They spend their lives almost getting killed by wild animals. They would never so get nice. a thing on Instagram or on yeah, iTunes about terrible right. voices like we do. Exactly. They'd probably get all the ratings. I wish I had an accent like that. Me too. We could start practicing, I guess. That would be we, we, the worst. <laughs> that would be the worst. Um, all right. So, you know, as far as treatment goes, um, the pegylated interferon is going to be um, a weekly treatment that lasts for 48 weeks. Um, and then the other treatments are going to be uh, typically for 12 months. And then uh, a lot of patients or a lot of providers will continue the treatment for six months after that to ensure clearance um, and the, 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 dr- the, the virus is inactive at that point. Um, but uh, just some real quick, the uh, some of the adverse effects to watch out for with tenofovir, like I said, um, could be you know, we even um, long term. I mean, we're still expecting not to see renal and bone um, issues, but it could happen with alafenamide as time goes on. Um, some of the really like rare things would, with especially with the original version of tenofovir would be like Fanconi syndrome, um, osteomalacia, um, things like that. Um, we wouldn't expect to see those with alafenamide version, um, and then. Uh, the entecavir, things like uh, lactic acidosis um, could potentially occur. Osteomalacia could also occur with that as well. Um, not super common, but things to watch out for. And I don't know that we mentioned the non-interferon options are reverse transcriptase inhibitors. Yeah. So there are multiple types of antivirals, but the ones in hep C are going to be reverse transcriptase inhibitors. Yep. So labs to monitor, um, liver function, CBC, thyroid, all the usual stuff we would probably be looking at. Um, and then definitely if you're using the original version of tenofovir, get them renal labs. Yep. Um, and then uh, pregnancy, um, lamivudine, uh, tenofovir has been studied in pregnancy as well, um, but lamivudine I think has the most data in pregnancy. And, uh, you know, if you are going to use pegylated interferon, do not use it in your psych patients if you can help it. So... What else? What else can we talk about? That's pretty much all I got. Whew. We can we could probably do um we could probably do a follow up Hep B look more in you detail. Mean we or actually something. know some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. 
I bet you we could. I bet there's enough stuff there. I, I, w- I would say uh, sure there's enough stuff there. I mean, we could do a... Because the other thing is that we didn't mention um, is, you know, when, who gets treated and who doesn't. Right. So and we didn't go very deep because there's a lot of different guidelines. We didn't really go very deep into treatment regimens. Yeah. So, you know, as far as who's actually indicated for getting treatment. So, you know, if a patient has, um, like, the, let's say they're... Um, active but they don't they're not showing like decompensation they're not showing cirrhosis or anything like that there's some situations where um treatment may actually have if they're if they're too well off treatment is actually not recommended at first because the treatment seems to be a very low efficacy um as far as that seroconversion so um you know if this person's older has a family history of you know hepatic carcinoma something like that then you could consider but typically we wouldn't and then as they get kind of um, worse off, I guess you could say, uh, then that's when we would start looking at, you know, for sure treating. And I guess, so if they, um, if they have infection, but it's not active, mm-hmm. we're, then, just, we're just not treating. Yeah. And then there's even patients, if, if you have patients with cirrhosis, um, you know, with, com, you know, compensated, um, have be infection, there's sometimes where those, those treatments could go on indefinitely. Um, and you know, so there's a lot of different nuances like that, and that's that's I think that that's going to take too long to go over. But um, we want to make sure we at least cover the drugs and things like that. So I would definitely encourage you for something like this to check out like the Infectious um, Disease Society of America guidelines. Uh, check out up to date Dynamed, any of those things you have access to, and look through the specific patients that are getting treated. Yep, I agree. Cool. Anything else? That's all I got, man. Glad to be back. Yes. Skip, skipped out on me on the last one. May, uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I actually made a joke right at the beginning of the podcast. I, uh, I, I heard. Like, I was like, yeah, the first one. Cole doesn't even know that we're, uh, we're recording this right now. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, so hopefully uh, June rolls around. No more traveling and we'll be able to. Yeah, Mike taking vacations and stuff. What's that Ridiculous. About? I yep. didn't want to. Well, so. it's, it's the time of the year. Well, first of all, it is so hot here. It's unbelievable. There's like a heat advisory this weekend, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody wants to come. So I've got people in town like every single weekend. It's crazy. Unbelievable. Family and whatnot. So we'd like to get to where we're at recording like eight episodes a month. At least I'd like to get to that. I don't that's know the if, dream. And uh, so that's hopefully coming soon. We just got to figure out. I, I had an idea way. and I'm going to say it on air so that people um, people hold, hold us, us to it. To it. Yes. Uh, well, one if, one, if we actually have time and it's not 11 o'clock at night, we could record two at a time. But another thing, which not tonight, because I want to come get some sleep, but we could just, right after the podcast, we could just come up with our next topic. And then that way we're not scrambling the, the day of the podcast to figure out a topic. We just take 10 minutes and we just talk about it and we come up with a topic. Listen. What an idea. Here's the thing about that idea. I, I hate that idea because I really like scrambling the last minute and it gives like panic and like. But then as we have time, we can look over it and, you know. Nonsense. Because if I, like I just spit it off the top of my head that way, it's like partly right. <laughs> We'll see what you. We get. just lost all of our followers. By the also, way. I was I was thinking because I was listening to a podcast that had like not like not a jingle, but people who just kind of made little. I don't know if somebody took our music and just put words to it and then sent it to us. I was thinking about this because somebody emailed us and um gave sent us their like their song. It was a band. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't see that. They wanted us to like highlight it. Really? Yeah, and I was like, mm, I don't know, they're from France or something. But anyways, forward it to me. I didn't see that. Yeah, I'll forward it to you. But anyways. I'm, I don't I'll, know that we. I'll, I don't know that we will. I'll but, highlight you on Instagram. But I was probably. thinking, like, we'll what, if, what if somebody took our music and like remixed it, put some words to it? I wonder if we would uh, toss it in somewhere. Maybe. Yeah. Talked about how crappy our voices are. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh man! Just took our voices and just made them. Just made a mix magnificent, out of it. Magnificent. Magnificent. <laughs> uh, anyways, Fatty Poo remix. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I know we joke around, but we really do like doing this, and uh, we try to try to bring some kind of value with this. And you know, we know these are basic overviews, but we, for those of you who do like the podcast, we are very appreciative. And uh, you know, we we'd love the the nice comments, and honestly, the the bad comments kind of make us laugh. But <laughs> we can keep those to a limit. That'd be great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Comment away. But um, you know, I, we really appreciate the ratings and everything that we've gotten lately, and everyone's been real supportive. The emails we've gotten have been great and uh, several residents and all kinds of things that have emailed us has been awesome and encouraging so thank you guys so much for that and uh, you know we will do our best to get back to all the direct messages on Instagram and Facebook and email and all over the place and I keep finding things on LinkedIn I'm like oh geez I forgot this one it's been a week old so if I don't get back to you like I always say uh, it's not because I don't like it I'm trying Cole's doing the same thing but thank you guys so much and we will be back soon see ya Thank <laughs> you.